0: Good afternoon, my name is Keith, and I'll be your conference operator today. Welcome to Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies' Beltway Briefing Series. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a
1: member of Cozen O'Connor, and our speaker will be Howard Schweitzer, and chief partner, and Mark Alderman, chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will also be available after the call at copublicstrategies.com, as well as on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cozen O'Connor. To submit live questions, please email presidentialanalysis at cozen.com.
0: Thanks everybody, um, and thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Blake Rutherford, and as always, uh, I am joined today by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. And I think Caitlin Martin is gonna jump jump in today too. Caitlin, welcome, Mark. Howard, Blake. great to be with you again. Happy uh, Happy February. Um, still, well, still February. Still February. Still February. It's a long, short month. And, yeah well in in down here yeah right I was gonna say it's uh it's just uh, the days the days are long uh so where to begin um it's been it's been about a month since we were together um as the world turns we've survived a government shutdown um and to what point I'm not entirely sure I think maybe that's the appropriate place to start Mark um Let's reflect on uh, those thirty-some odd days in Washington, where um, your president brought the brought the government uh, to somewhat of a halt over his desire to, to build the wall. Uh, what do you well, What do you make of the aftermath? Since we're of-
2: not doing video, I can't display my "Not My President" bumper sticker, <laughs> but I'm going to take issue from the start with that characterization. The <laughs> shutdown. Everybody knows, including Trump, the shutdown was pointless. He got nothing. He got, in fact, less than he had coming into the shutdown. It was just dumb and worse. It had consequences. It hurt a lot of people. But as a political matter, it was just one of his dumber decisions. And to their credit, the Senate Republicans called him out on that. And they got the government reopened and kept it open with their compromised spending. But, but he has the issue, the issue remains. And we'll see where the emergency, which isn't an emergency, the, the thing about all this that is so, so intriguing, which is a euphemism, is that everybody knows that it's not an emergency, and everybody knows that the shutdown was unnecessary, yet here we are. Yet here we are in a state of emergency and in the courts. I
3: have
1: a different perspective. Not entirely different, but somewhat different. First of all, he didn't get nothing. His approval ratings in the Republican Party have actually gone up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it is striking to me that that's the case that he has the highest approval <laughs> that he has higher approval ratings in the Republican Party than Ronald Reagan had. I mean, it's crazy. The <clears throat> in the shrinking Republican. Party. Okay. Um, but I think Ask I, Caitlin I, I think oh membership. further um, polarized um, further polarized the country. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's so much about hurting government bureaucrats. and remember I've been one. I mean, yes, they had some temporary pain because they couldn't get their paychecks, but they're going to get paid for all that time.
3: We'll tell that to the government contractors no, who aren't getting pay. That's, that's true. That's you're right.
1: You're right. It's not that it was without consequences, um, but I think the consequences are much more significant in terms of polarization of the electorate and in terms of the degradation of our reputation globally. In fact, I think that's by far the most significant impact. Everybody around the world looks at our government as as the beacon. And and the stability, and that just isn't there and the entire world was watching us make fools out of ourselves and it's just that it takes generations to recover from that and I think and, and and you know, I don't think the fact that I don't think it really hurts him politically at all because well everybody still thinks the same thing about them that they thought before this nonsense. but
2: that is also what I'm trying to say I don't disagree with a word of that I think the international consequences are dramatic and, and have yet to be felt thank God we have yet to confront the international <laughs> crisis where we find out what price we actually have to pay for as you say the degradation of our government and and all our alliances around the world. But the, the point to me is a corollary of that, which is that it's not really about anything except politics. It was a campaign promise. It wasn't a program for governing the nation into the future. It was a campaign promise He's trying to do his promises-made, promises-kept thing. It, it It's not an emergency. We don't need a wall. <coughs> there isn't a wall, even though he says he's building one. The whole thing is farcical but has real-world,
0: worldwide
2: consequences, and we just got to cut it out.
0: Well, the, the funny thing is, I mean, Kaylin, I'll get you to jump in here. I mean. It, it, the campaign promise was Mexico was going to pay for the wall, which right. anybody with a brain knew was stupid. Um, the Mexican government said over and over that that wasn't going to happen. Former president, current president of Mexico both both said that. So Trump flunked that test. And, and we go through this, this charade over, over building a wall to shut down, but his approval ratings go up. What I can't figure out is what's going on in the Republican Party with this guy, because you on everything it's just sort of this cow-tow to Trump. I mean, really, on just about every single issue, um, and and I'm trying, and I've spent a couple of years trying to figure this out. I'm hoping you, you can you can help me. What what's the what's the thing with Trump? that makes him captivate the Republican Party in the way that, that he does. I don't think, George W. Bush couldn't do it. I really don't even think Reagan could do it. George H.W. Bush shouldn't, surely couldn't do it. But Trump, Trump does. He has the Republican Party in the palm of his hand and he can do just about whatever he wants. And I can't figure out why, because his, he makes dumb political mistake after dumb political mistake. Um, but Republicans don't budge. What what do we make of that?
3: I mean, look, he's still channeling and tapping into a lot of outrage. As far as as Howard and Mark mentioned earlier, yes, maybe his approval ratings have gone up, but the party's gotten smaller, and the polarization has gotten has is being felt at a real level. I think that um, Speaker Pelosi is going to be introducing a resolution to disapprove um, of the declaration of a national emergency. I believe you're going to see some Republican senators. I believe Senator Suzanne Collins already came out today saying that she would support this resolution. I worry from a Republican Party standpoint, the precedent that this sets, giving the president the ability, this unchecked power to declare a national emergency. What, what happens when it's, you know, A very left-leaning Democrat president and they want to use the same playbook we're these same people that might be sitting quietly on the sidelines now we're going to be screaming bloody murder if it's a national emergency declared about gun violence or about climate change or about one of several other issues so I think that to get back to your question about the party I think you're gonna see some Republicans and, and Senator Cornyn has come out and said he did not think that this was a good idea to declare a national emergency. I think you're going to see some separation, some some light between the president and some Republican senators on this.
0: What do we make of? We've got what I think 16 attorneys general who've joined a lawsuit challenging this. Um, I guess maybe, uh, perhaps the only the only analogy at this point, although I haven't looked at looked at the court cases, is uh, and the frustration people. Republicans have expressed as well. Uh, Democrats were fine when Obama exercised his authority over DACA, and certainly, if Trump wants to do it over the wall, he's the president, and so on and so forth. Um, Mark, what do you make of the litigation? What do you what do you what do you think? How quickly will will the litigation advance? Will this Will this be something? Obviously, I we assume this will find its way to the Supreme Court.
2: I Assume it will find its way to the Supreme Court. I think that we are living in a world of dual or, or multiple realities because the litigation is proceeding under the rule of law which still thank goodness applies and abides in most situations in this country and it will run its course under the rule of law Eventually get to the Supreme Court, maybe sooner rather than later. But meanwhile, Trump wants the issue. He doesn't want the wall. There is no wall. He's not even building a wall. He wants the issue and he will have the issue whichever way the litigation
1: goes. But, but it's ironic because you're talking about the rule of law. Look, I'm for more immigration, not less, but you're talking about rule of law in the context of an issue where there is no rule of law like you have fair. millions of people in this country illegally that's not right it's not fair it needs to be Couldn't fixed agree more but the this is the the, violent emergency, agreement call.
2: the emergency doesn't address any no of that.
1: I, i'm not i i am not that's Trump not a comment not
2: interested on in comprehensive uh, immigration reform maybe the republicans no. caitlin are getting interested Don't forget, it wasn't that long ago when the Senate actually passed comprehensive Mm -hmm. immigration reform. Sent it to the Paul Ryan-led house where it died without a a day's hearing. But that's not what Trump's about.
1: I don't want anything i say to come off as supporting the way Donald Trump is conducting his presidency. But, Mark... That's no different. I mean, there are plenty of things that Obama did, plenty of things that every president does that are questionable in terms of pushing the envelope and are entirely political. What Obama did around Zaka, entirely political, humanitarian on some level. Entirely political. So let's not. I just think it's a there trap. Is to no
2: moral or political equivalency between Trump and the stupid fake wall that Mexico isn't paying for, and Obama's executive action on DACA. You can argue that constitutionally he exceeded his presidential authority. i talking about did, moral. But it at least I'm addressed, talking about political it wasn't legal. done for political reasons. Mark, it, it, wow. it everything yeah. is done for political reasons. But this is the problem with you guys, okay? Whether you're for or against Trump with you Republicans sitting over there on the other side of the table. Saying that everything is done for political reasons does not mean that everything that is done is equally empty of any other purpose. This wall is empty of any purpose except political. Whatever you think of the presidential authority that Barack Obama exercised, whatever you think of the political purposes that were in the mix, he was at least trying to govern this country and was at least addressing an actual real issue in what he did with DACA. So I just, I am so tired of... I don't know. I am so tired of the false equivalency that is established by simply saying everything is political. Are there no distinctions to be made among different governing actions?
1: There are, but I think it... Because him, of course there are. He's so different and toxic
2: and... Tell me one thing he's done that was political and more. And an actual effort to govern this country. Everything criminal justice reform,
3: which was a big win, which might have actually been something we talked about had he not shut down the government right after right before the holiday. But Fair criminal enough. justice reform absolutely. was a big bipartisan win. That's absolutely. gonna make a significant which absolutely impact. rolling back and rolling
1: back Bill Clinton's policy that has resulted in Millions of people being incarcerated. He I didn't. mean Clinton era policy. Absolutely. And it was
2: actual governing that Trump's that Trump didn't do. Trump let it happen. He had nothing to do with the years of work bipartisan that went into actually addressing the thing. I don't know. Right. Senior
3: system. advisor or Jared, or and, and, and son in law in chief Jared Kushner really, really did Spend a lot of time and effort and did that with, obviously, the president's blessing. And I don't know. Uh,
2: that criminal justice reform would have happened under oh. the
1: 45th. Is it? How about the president? It, then why didn't
2: it happen yeah. under yeah, Obama? No, because it took, it took more time.
1: No, no because, because it, it took a process. Republican president for me.
2: No, No, that's what I'm saying under any of the 20 people who ran in the Republican primaries, right. It took a Republican president. It didn't take this Republican president.
1: It still did. It still did. He could have made a different political calculation. I, I okay. Okay, so you got one, maybe. How you about an ask? How about this
2: corporate is Roger tax.
1: Maris's sixty-first home. How run. about corporate <laughs> tax reform? Oh, that okay. no. I'm not <laughs> talking okay. about. I'll, we I'll know that's been the biggest. Reform. I'm not. That has been the biggest. I mean, I'm not talking about tax. The tax bill. I'm talking about corporate tax rates relative to corporate tax rates in other countries. And it's your contention that Donald
2: Trump was the steward of no, that. I, legislation. It happened under
1: his presidency and it probably doesn't happen without I'm Republican not sure that, No, I'm well, not sure he, that happens he, if Jeb Bush is president of the United States. you actually
2: believe he has any
1: idea what's in that bill. Mark do you actually uh, believe?
3: That the he paid attention to. Do you actually believe holding,
1: so. that Barack Obama had any idea of what I was doing at the United States Treasury when he was the president of the United States? Well, you should have told him, Mark. Uh, look, I am not. I am not comparing Donald Trump. Well, I guess I am comparing him to Barack <laughs> Obama, but I do not compare. I do not equalize the two in my mind, or George Bush on. I don't. I don't think that the governing is going well. Okay, but that's my point.
2: My point. It's not going well.
1: But to say that nothing is happening, and to say he doesn't read a bill like no president does, like come on. Yeah, I mean, but I think
0: we'd agree that even Trump's own, uh, you know. own staff say he has trouble getting through a bullet point memo. <laughs> so I think that's right. A theme, though, I want to I want to ferret out because you you've said it a couple of times. It takes a Republican president. I think one of the things that is striking is going back to the polarization, going back to all the way back to you know, and I know it didn't start with Merrick Garland, but I think it got to the point where sort of the the mask of of republicans sort of came off that it was look we're just not gonna we're Mm -hmm. not gonna work with democrats we're just not gonna do it and you know it that was not the case under former republican presidents um i mean under democrats save for obama um and and i wonder if we're ever gonna are we gonna get out of that anytime soon are we going to get out because you know we've talked about well the house is going to pass a bunch of stuff and mcconnell's not gonna not ever going to take it up and and i agree we saw we certainly saw bipartisan uh a bipartisan effort on criminal justice reform but i mean that's really about it i mean we can't this and i don't i don't think it's the democrats fault to be honest because i think the Republicans cast the, the most devastating well, stone.
1: I th- like I think that there's a difference between what hits the headlines and what really happens. Like all of us are on Capitol Hill every day. We're in the White House. We're we are talking to people that are actually like doing stuff that in the agencies yeah. that you don't see on NBC Nightly News or read about in the New York Times. There have actually been more Bills passed by Congress in the first two years of this administration than the first two years of the Obama or Bush administrations, so things, oh, um, things, things happen. Um,
2: things absolutely happen, it's, and it's just the big stuff. that's, that's the what big I stuff. To say. The big stuff. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, now, it's, what I'm, is missing is presidential leadership. Right, that's and what it's a tragedy it's, for the country. Forget all I of agree. the other unthinkable things that are happening under this administration. The greatest core loss is no presidential leadership at a time when bridges are falling down. And everybody agrees we should find the money somewhere to fix the bridges before they fall down with people trying to get across them the absence of presidential leadership That's is the preventing it. the country from moving forward on critical questions Global. where there's where there's consensus i'm not talking about immigration where it even presidential leadership might not bring a consensus but but the absence the abject complete vacuum in the presidency, is hurting the country. But Blake,
1: country. your question was about more than just um, Donald Trump. It was about Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. And Mitch McConnell. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump wasn't president when Mitch McConnell wouldn't take Merrick right. Garland forward. Right. And I think, um, you know, <laughs> the Democrats on some of this too. Harry Reid's decision to get rid of the nuclear option, to get rid of the filibuster rule. Um, was
2: backed by the president. Backed by President yeah. Obama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very damaging. Bad decision. Yep. Bad Very damaged.
1: Yep. Horrible decision. Yep. So yep. nothing is nothing is easy to sift through in this environment. And that's why, you know, in terms of our clients and the things we're doing, I, I what I always say is don't buy the head fake. I mean yes like the things that are happening at the level of the headlines are enormously consequential they're multi-generational they are not one or two year issues they are 50-year issues that we're going to have to yeah. somehow god willing work our way through i mean countries rise and fall on this stuff this is not small stuff and that's what really matters but in terms of the day-to-day blocking and tackling whatever your issues are you can't buy the head fake because they're you know things are still happening things are still getting done Um, the agencies are making consequential decisions they're just they're micro they're the stuff you don't see and you get you know you can't so you can't you can't back away from the process because up at the level of the headlines all this horrible stuff and these horrible cross currents are are taking place
0: so in light of yeah that's an excellent point Um, no, no doubt well, yeah.
2: maybe the most fundamental responsibility of the Congress, which is to take the citizens' money and spend it to govern the country, just got done. Yep. And got done bipartisanly, if that's an adverb. <laughs> and got done with with zero involvement of the president. Back to the leadership point.
0: Well, and and the
2: way to get things done is to keep the president of the united states out of them well and and i I think that's what on the hill can figure out and that's and
0: that's what i mean essentially paul ryan and mitch mcconnell said we're going to get a tax bill stay out of it right and sign it when we deliver it to you which the president did let's let's pivot um away from away from trump for a moment because what has been capturing headlines is that the 2020 Democratic primary is in is in full force um, although not complete yet we've got some folks who have not made up their mind but here here's who's here's who's in the primary right now Bernie Sanders Elizabeth Warren Cory Booker Amy Klobuchar Kamala Harris Julian Castro John Delaney Andrew Yang Tulsi Gabbard Kirsten Gillibrand Pete Buttigieg did I get that right close yeah close close enough sorry mr. mayor Uh, and Marianne Williamson how many I'm counting uh, 12 maybe and then we we still haven't heard from Joe Biden Beto O'Rourke Mike Bloomberg or Sherrod Brown Mike Bennett (sighs) Mike Bennett uh, is an, an, all the bees we all the you know, bees? All the bees. Um, I mean, we're looking at seventeen potential candidates in
1: in this primary. Um, That's good. Which I, no, yeah. I'm not. I, it's, it's not. I good. mean, and some look. I mean, know you weren't making a judgment yeah. about that. It's just a. It's a
0: fact. It's it's seventeen candidates, all m- most of whom um, you know have have a compelling argument. Um, to, to run for president, um, Mark. What do you make of the field so far? I know it's early. I'm not handicapping how this thing's going to shake out. Although, if you want to tell me, that'd be that'd be great. I can take a nap until well. <laughs> I can stop. I yeah, can, can take take a nap and quit returning no, wait, fundraising the, phone calls.
2: The, the DNC has it under control. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Right. Right. Don't worry. right. Don't worry. Look, I think it's good, as Howard just said. I think. That the most important development for the Democratic Party in 2018 and now on into 2020 is the massive engagement that has taken place from the local level all the way up by people who want to get involved and do something anything to move the country in a direction that that they believe is, is right, obviously. And the bigger the field, the more the engagement. Each of these candidates brings off the sidelines certain constituencies, certain potential voters who maybe have, maybe haven't even registered, let alone voted. And that is all good. Engagement is an unconditionally good development for the party. Now, having said that, got to sort it out. <laughs> got to end up with with a candidate. I I am hoping along the way to catch up with um, Howard Schultz. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll to that. Well, well, he's not in, a Democrat. Yeah. He was just in Philadelphia. I don't know, Blake, if you had a chance to see him. I, I was uh, abroad. But no. I want to. Howard Schultz says that the he didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic no, Party left. It's him. original. Yeah, but I want to ask him. Well, so what is it, What is the Democratic Party? Tell me. Uh, yeah. What does it stand for? Because that might help me understand <laughs> whether I'm for you or for one of these <laughs> well, other. What's your answer? <laughs> <to that? laughs> uh, it's evolving. Is the answer. <laughs> There's just as
1: much a battle for the soul of the Democratic Party as there is a battle for the soul of the Republican Party. It's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, It's going to be. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. I don't know. The well, if it's not, you risk four more years of Donald Trump because if it goes as left. As it looks like no, it has no, the no, potential no. When to I go? No, I say
2: it's not going to... It doesn't it have to be the, a bloodbath. I'm just talking about the level of discourse. I'm not talking about the extremity of positions that are going to be articulated, but there's well, I'm talking some, about policy. Yeah, yeah.
1: We'll, and we'll get to that. It's going yeah, to well, be a policy bloodbath, because... It's going to debate, for sure. Unless, if there's not a food fight... The progressive left wins because you're going to have to fight the progressive left in order. Donald Trump wins. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my feeling. You know,
0: it's it's funny because and and you know, I don't I don't know what necessarily to make of it. Although I I sort of will 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 say that I think having having done this once before, you 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 have a a hell of a fundraising database to start with. When I'm talking about Bernie's money Mm -hmm. right out of the gate. Um, which is considerable I mean it it sort of uh, yeah can I just
2: drop a footnote there sure and I don't know which way this goes it's this is gonna be entertaining Uh, yeah Bernie put up six million dollars in half a day Bernie's not a Democrat although he is running in the Democratic primary and I am convinced without having yet seen the data that a lot of that money comes from people who also aren't Democrats. This is Bernie is a movement, not a Democratic candidate, and I think a lot of that money. And again, it's engagement and it's all good, but that's not necessarily an indication of who's voting in the Iowa caucuses and whether no. they're for or against. Yeah. But, but the
1: loudest voice in the Democratic Party is none of those people. Right. It's somebody who's not even old enough to run for president. Yep. And, and that's a fact. Yeah. Representative Ocasio-Cortez oh, has more Twitter, Twitter followers than Nancy me. Pelosi. Yeah. Yeah. Than the Speaker of the House. Than the leader of the Democratic Party. Well, How do you deal only with that? Only, okay. only bested in
0: name recognition on Fox News by Elizabeth Warren. Ah. The yeah. only person who gets more mention, yeah. Democrat, gets more mentions on Fox News well, than AOC.
3: Well, off of all the <laughs>
0: Yeah. But to Howard, to your point, and and I, yeah, it is interesting because thanks to our friends at at CNN, they have hosted a couple of town halls, so we've gotten to see some of these candidates. Not sure why Howard Schultz got a town hall, but I'm going to blame Caitlin. Everybody for, drinks Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I mean, yeah, I know I why, but I'll be honest. I, 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 Thank you, Caitlin. I, I, I blame <laughs> I blame Howard Schultz on Caitlin, which is completely yeah. unfair, but that's. Yeah. that's moderator's privilege
1: driven out of the
2: republican well right so yeah Yeah. all
1: for a president named howard yeah with the last name starting S C (laughs) A. yeah that's right
0: um but we have started to see some contrasts and i think the the uh, specifically on medicare for all we we saw where we know bernie's been on the mfa bus for a long time. Uh, Kamala Harris came out and not only was for Medicare for all, but abolishing the private health insurance industry altogether. Oh, she
3: seemed a little confused about that. Well,
0: I, she had to walk it back, obviously, yeah. because uh, yeah. for all she can't the she can't, <laughs> it's just other totally impractical. But then Amy Klobuchar, on you know the other side, gave gave I thought two really compelling and also honest and pragmatic answers which was i'm not for medicare for all and i'm not for free college for all these are things we can't afford and can't do and so i think to your point howard i mean we're there whether it's sustainable is to be determined because right now you know of the of the folks and i'm just highlighting the folks who have had sort of a broader forum to talk not dissecting all the all the positions of all the candidates but for those that have had a broader platform you we're kind of seeing we know the left is we know Sanders Warren Booker and Harris have sort of staked out that that farther left position so far Klobuchar is trying to navigate what she's calling sort of more pragmatism but I think we would we would characterize it as that more centrist or just just left of left of center um, we'll see as as other candidates um, you know have the opportunity um, see where Senator Gillibrand is we'll see um, where Julian Castro is and then we'll see because I've, again we got four or five big names who are not in this race um, yeah. AOC has said she's not going to endorse with, a, with an asterisk of maybe right before the New York primary um, in the meantime clearly shaping the debate I would argue not necessarily for the better mm-hmm. of the Democratic Party but but shaping the debate. And Green New Deal comes to mind as sort of the big, big ticket item that um, that has, has been put forward that looks like may actually get a vote. Um, McConnell signaled yes. that he's so gonna He's still looking
3: forward to that vote. Like, let's get everyone <laughs> well, on. like Medicare record. for all, what,
0: all the Democrats voted present or yeah. something. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I know I get it's all, it's all for show, Mark. But but But, um, but the theater of politics can can be entertaining. What do you on the policy front? What do you what do you make of of where the Democrats are? How how is there a middle lane for somebody to to run down? I think Biden would think he he might might fill that. Cher Brown it came out with some interesting um, interesting thoughts. Although uh, not sure if he's he's going to run, and no clue what Bloomberg's going to
1: do if anything. Yeah. Well. He's going to spend a hell of a lot of. Well, money. he, I know that's that's right. Yeah. He's he's committed Either on his own campaign or on somebody else's, but he I, is going to spend he's he's billions. Donald Trump is the president. Yeah, what,
0: what, what I like is I am going to spend five hundred million dollars to start
1: with, right? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, he's already spent something like yeah. six billion dollars, yeah. And I think the money where he inv- the races where he invested his money in eighteen he was. The Democrat won, I think, something like twenty-one out of twenty-three yeah. or whatever yeah. the number right. was. Yeah. It's that order of magnitude. He's going to spend a hell of a lot of money, yeah. and I think he's probably going to spend it running. Yeah, but inside he's, kind of, of the he's a player, whether he runs or not.
2: Yeah, I think he only runs if he runs inside the party, not as an independent. No,
1: definitely, but, yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, yeah. And, that and then as an independent voice within the party. Yeah. Yeah,
1: voice. so
3: who I mean, my answer,
2: Blake, to your question about what this all means is, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to find out. There's going to be a robust debate. I'm going to choose those words instead of a bloodbath, but, but it could turn into that. At the policy level, among all these competing ideas on health care, on the environment, on immigration and beyond, it's all taking place within a relatively narrow bandwidth, but the bandwidth has moved to the left. I guess it's this way, right? It's moved to the left. There's, there's no denying that. And what we're going to find out is whether at the end of the day it matters more to uh, Democrats to nominate a candidate who can beat Donald Trump, then it matters to Democrats that we nominate a candidate who is pure, who has the purity of policy and electability. Be damned. We're are gonna find out. I, yeah, I I believe it's gonna be the former, not not the latter, but. T- that's yet to be determined. The you most know, important it's
1: thing, I'm sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Is, um, the the civility and I say bloodbath.
2: That's my point.
1: A policy bloodbath is a good thing. Yep. A civil a lack of civility is is a a very 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 bad thing because there we have to have some restoration of the norm here. No right question.
2: And that is what we're going to find out, but for sure there is nobody in this field yet, and, and certainly those who aren't yet in who are thinking about it won't, won't change what I'm about to say. Uh, we don't have a Donald Trump right on our side to turn it as ugly and divisive. You do, Mark. Well, first of all... Who, who is the Donald Trump uh, who on the stage is going to stand there and
1: insult all of her or, or his Donald comments. Trump's the, that's not on the stage. It's AOC and... Some we'll of these new freshman well,
3: disruptors that are making, you know, anti-Semitic comments and tweets yeah. and having it's, to walk back it, and you know, make. You're
1: talking about grade three. You, have you don't have to be on the stage to have an impact. That's, I think, that's the question. Well, and I, I think that's
0: that's proven to be, um, you know, a, a challenge, not because necessarily it's not a it, not because it's a bad idea to have a debate over a green new deal but in the same way that we saw with trump it's it's all on there's no need for press filter anymore i mean aoc doesn't even have a press list like yeah you but, just follow on i mean that's yeah. l- 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 honestly what her what her office would tell you is just follow us on Twitter. They don't. They don't. But that's what they different, did. There are two and,
2: different things going on to that very point, and to Howard's point. One thing that is going on is that she's out there, and others are just stirring the pot and getting people all riled up. And maybe, maybe driving them to a point where they aren't going to support a nominee who isn't as pure as they believe themselves to be. That's one thing that's going on, that's a big general election question. But the other thing that's going on is that the Democratic Party is going to nominate a candidate for president according to a very strict and narrow process in which she is going to matter very little. Her millions of Twitter followers are not the people who are showing up in zero-degree weather in Iowa in February, or zero-degree weather in New Hampshire in February, and casting the die in this race. And that's why I say what we're going to find out is, at the end of some day, if we nominate an electable candidate, and I believe the process is going to result in that, will she and the other millions who got engaged stay home or show up on election day? And we'll find out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but, but the, the world... But she's
2: not driving the And the, the country hanging the balance. But what I'm trying to say yeah, is... She, she is, Mark. No, she's not driving the nomination. She's she is because she's driving, forcing... I, and she's not been, forcing Elizabeth Warren to the left.
3: She's Actually, Elizabeth Warren came out and said she she's good with capital markets. She just wants regulation. She's putting she's, a little, she's trying yeah. to move a little that's because, to the but center. That's because she's, she's trying to respects. get elected.
2: Right, yeah. <laughs> right. exactly. The all- right. And by the way, I saw a crazy chart, I shouldn't call it crazy, a surprising chart. Uh, from a University of uh, Virginia, political science professor that ranked the Democratic candidates according to their progressivism. She is so far beyond everybody.
3: Kamala's is.
2: actually Elizabeth. Yeah. Kamala's actually second. Bernie's in the middle, which tells you something about where the
1: field is. <laughs> okay. well, that, isn't that the point? Yeah, I mean yeah, because yeah, that's the point. If if one if somebody that's left of left. Wins the nomination. That's bad for the party. It's bad for the country. It's bad for the world. Frankly, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and, and I don't. That I seems mean, Blake. It. Why? Like, that why do it. we
1: have reason to believe that, given primary voter patterns, that that isn't going to be the case? Yeah. I I don't think even know who the candidates
0: are. Yeah, I I think a, a couple of things that that I'll say. One. I love it when the
2: moderator. Has yeah, we know. <laughs> but we know
1: who votes in primaries. Yeah, and they it tends to be people that have more um, I, extreme well, points of view.
0: I think I think a couple of things that that we've got to sort out. One, I think you have, to, we have to, the the field will thin as money sort of does in politics starts sort of picking winners and losers. Mm-hmm. I think that'll give us a sense. I think I think depending on how, how that works out. Then I think it becomes it it how much of the primary audience is willing to moderate on what I'm calling these lacking in pragmatism millennial ideas free college for all med- and I just think I just think Medicare for all which just I think is such a political loser but and I I'll stay on that point for. For the next year I suppose um, arguing into the ether Um, and then I think and then I think the the thing that we have to we have to figure out is uh, if there's an enthusiasm gap that favors the Democrats which we'll see is that enthusiasm gap filled with highly motivated young people as it was in 2018 Or is that is that mix a bit more diverse I do think there is tension and the Democrats are gonna have to figure this out um, between the that younger audience and what their expectations of politics are Um, I think that that AOC being one but there are others there they they espouse a a point of view that is it sort of sets i think an idealized ambition for what government can achieve and what people should be given in terms of this notion of kind of free everything that that the far left um gets labeled with and perhaps rightfully so so i think I, i the point of saying all that is that i i don't I don't know how impactful that's going to be when someone. And I'll just go back to Amy Klobuchar because she's she's actually on the record on this. Says we're not doing free college for all.
3: I'm not like, a genie. I yeah, mean, you know, we're, we're I not we're, we're not doing it. Easier like for you to go right. To college,
0: absolutely, but. we're going to do student loan reform, and we're going to do other things, but we're not doing free college for all. That's it. Let's move on. Um, does that become to Mark's point? A purity test, or you know what, you can you can run on that and win, the crab,
3: the right? So the I I
0: don't know I I have been concerned, Howard, about not just not the necessarily the push to the left, just the sort of ideological sort of misunderstanding of what's what's not only achievable but what is practical
3: and the way government works and the way
0: government functions. And so you know, we'll, as Mark said, we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and remember that. I still think too. These folks got to run again in two years, too, and and that that maybe maybe something to watch as well.
1: I mean, I don't even know what. There's always a chance that Donald Trump isn't the next Republican nominee for president.
3: Larry Hogan might get a
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's. it's that would change the dynamic. <laughs> certainly not. Impossible. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. Not impossible. And and what what then? Like what then, Mark, of the Democratic field? What are they running against? They're all going to run against Donald Trump. Um, at some point, what are they running for? Like it actually—that's that, why it acts. The policy debate actually matters. Yes, people are motivated. The young people are motivated. People that went to the polls in 2018 were motivated to go to the polls by Donald Trump. They weren't motivated to go to the polls for something. They were motivated to go to the polls against something. But the for something part matters a lot. It actually has an impact. And I, there's reason to be worried about where that lands. The one thing I'd say, Mark,
0: and, and you know, is that we did see with, I think so far everyone, at least in the in the text of their announcement speech and/or video didn't mention Donald Trump I think the Democrats learn I don't know if it, it takes us a while to learn lessons but but I do think that that the candidates themselves have looked at 2016 and and realized yeah I mean if if I, I recognize that reelections are always a referendum on the incumbent but to your point I think Democrats ran that play and it didn't work
2: yeah we need to figure this thing out and the process exists for that to happen where it's going to come to rest it's way too early to say is there a chance it comes to rest too far to the left to unseat donald trump if he is the nominee sure is that where I think it comes out? No. I think it comes out with electability 51%, purity 49%. And if it comes out there, I think Trump is in trouble if he is even the candidate because my, my view of this is simple-minded in this respect. There are more people in this country who don't want Donald Trump to be the president than people who do want him. The Democrats' challenge is to get those people to come out and vote for the Democrat. And everybody knows that. Even AOC is aware of that. I don't think so. I didn't no, say that so. that's her priority. I said she's aware of it. I don't think so. Okay. Well, we're going to find <laughs> the out. We're going to find reality out. Is a little I'll bet bad. you, Dinner, that she endorses the Democratic Party candidate in the general election.
1: I'm but not we'll going to take out. that bet. The question <laughs> is, how is <laughs> she going to
2: influence? Yeah, I already told you. She's She is not the one driving this party to the left. She's just a. Okay. She is. She, and she's a proxy. <laughs> well, she true. is. Yeah. The people who came out, this is my perspective. I have been wrong. I'm I'm where Churchill said an opponent of his was in a parliamentary debate. Often wrong, but never Never in doubt. doubt. I do not (laughs) doubt what I'm about to say, but I could well be wrong, okay? I believe that the engagement that we have seen over the last two years in the Democratic Party has come from people who got up, got off the sidelines, got into the game to beat Donald Trump. And I believe that that is going to shape the primary process and the nomination of a candidate whose electability is the core requirement. If I'm wrong, and the people who came into the game are only interested in Medicare for All, which Nobody, by the way, just a footnote. Nobody even knows what it means. It's just
1: three words. <laughs> we
2: need, we need it a means to a city college, out. which <laughs> nobody it knows mean, what
1: that it means. It all means is. the same thing: government right, handouts, yeah. which people don't like. Right. Government well, in your business and a seventy sure.
3: percent tax on the wealthy, yeah.
2: which is very popular. Government
1: apparently. in your business, yeah.
2: Apparently. yeah, apparently very popular. Yeah, the Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax is so, very popular. Uh, so, like, to be determined, but that that's. Well, I think, I you're, think
1: you're trusting you're trusting the process to <laughs> yield the right result way too much. We saw how that worked out. And well, Mark's a Philly, Philly, Philly yeah. Philadelphia yeah. Sixers fan, right? right. So, trusting right. the process is too much. Part of <laughs> it. You're disc- scary, yeah. very and, very and you're good. discounting <laughs> the single most impactful thing about Donald Trump, which is the Trump, which is Twitter. It's Trumpification of a everything of politics that is not going away completely there is no way separate. that the American people are going to stand for anything other than the kind of direct communication they've had from this president it may be toxic it may not be good governing but it isn't going away either
2: and, and, I and disagree that's why I say we will see in the general election whether the AOC Twitter phenomenon is working for or against the Democrat nominee? I think it'll work for the Democrat nominee, but to
0: be determined. If voters in New Hampshire went to the polls today, Biden's at twenty-eight, Sanders is twenty, Harris is fourteen, and Warren's at nine. So you know we're we're less than a year, well about a year away, um, less than a year away. Um, so we'll we'll keep revisiting. So those the numbers.
1: two top contenders are older than Donald Trump correct <laughs> that is not a good strategy <laughs> we'll see yes. and yep and I suspect and
2: I don't think either of them will be the nominee of the party not based solely on their age but on the electability issue I, I don't think either of them will be the nominee of the Democratic Party and who is third Warren uh, Harris Harris she might be she could be um, and she Warren's fourth
0: be. she won't be um, so we'll keep revisiting I'll be yeah. I'll be very interested to see I'm gonna put I like putting the year out numbers away and then we'll yeah. we can we can all we can head back to Manchester market and be we'll, wrong and, and be wrong again, be wrong again. <laughs> right. yeah We'll stop off of in Mil- we'll we stop are, off of Milwaukee for the convention. We are
2: undefeated in the yeah. New Hampshire primary. Yes, we are.
0: <laughs> we, well, very, very good. Start to right, <laughs> right, all right. day
2: long and into the night.
0: Well, well, now that now that the government is open and and uh, when Congress is back, I suspect in our next call we'll have a lot to talk about um, on the policy front. We'll certainly have a lot to talk about on the political front. I think we'll know um, by then whether whether all the all the bees are in Terry McAuliffe's giving a speech um, at the end of March so after Q1 closes um, at the University of Virginia see what whether he jumps in the race Um, so it uh, there could be a lot to lot to talk about on the political front um, but certainly on the policy front as well Caitlin thanks for joining us sorry you didn't um, always always welcome Um, comments Criticisms of the moderator certainly are welcome. You can email us at presidentialanalysis@cozen.com. At you can check us out um, on iTunes or SoundCloud, and this will be posted at copublicstrategies.com um, a little later today. Mark Howard, always a privilege to be with you. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening.
2: Thanks, Blake.